You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. So this morning we're continuing our series on one another, and today we're thinking about this idea of encouragement. And uh, so last night I was hanging out with my wife, we cooked dinner, and then we were doing the thing after that where you do the dishes, which nobody wants to do, right? And so we were doing that, and she was heavy at work and stuff, and I was like, hey, I want to like practice and see if my sermon works on you. And she's like, oh no. And I was like, my sermon's about encouragement. And she's like, okay. And so I was like, well, while you're cleaning the dishes, I'm going to encourage you. Which immediately she's like, I can see where this is going. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, this is going to be an active participant thing for me. Like, I am actively going to encourage you. And she's like, okay, okay. And so she's doing the dishes stuff. And so I was like, let's go, let's go, L-E-P-S-K-I-O. And she like stops and she's like, are you okay? You want to do a toe touch with that? I was like, I can, but it would hurt tomorrow. You know, like I know my limits and I got to walk and talk tomorrow. So listen, encouragement should be something for us as followers of Jesus that outflows out of us. And so we're going to be digging into that this morning, that idea from that. We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 here in just a second, and then also Colossians chapter 4. But this idea of encouragement, and what does it look like for that, that to happen? Last night I was also, one of the things we're doing in our house is I'm trying to train up my children in the way that they should go. And one of the ways that I'm doing that, besides spiritual stuff, is also training them up in the movies that they should watch. You know, there are certain movies that are life influential. And so my son's always trying to like, Dad, you should watch whatever. And they're just the most horrible movies ever. And and they're just dumb, right? I mean, they are. Anyway, and so last night I laid out before him the great movie Hoosiers. Yeah, there you go. Amen. And it's a basketball movie, right? Y'all get that. But there's so much more to this movie than basketball. There's redemption. There's second chances. There's a guy that's struggling with alcohol and the coach invites him in to be a part of the team and try to transform his image of himself and that he doesn't have to be the town drunk, but he can actually be, he has value and he has worth. And the coach is someone who's been kicked out of coaching and someone who knows him from the past brings him in and says, hey, you have worth and value as well. And yes, this is maybe your last chance, but it's a second chance. And so you see the story of redemption and reconciliation. In the midst of that. And then there's so many other little subplots. But one of the main subplots with all of those things is this idea of encouragement. And yes, it's cool that they win a state championship. And who wouldn't want to win a state championship? That'd be awesome. We're hoping for that here, right? And so you want those things. But along the way, even to get to that place, encouragement has to be a huge piece of that. And the encouragement is this. The biblical idea of encouragement that's seen in Hoosiers is that someone takes a chance and a risk on you and invests in you and pushes you out of your comfort zone. They see something in you that you don't see in yourself, and they challenge you. Now, the other part of that is that the person that's being encouraged has to take the risk to be encouraged. 
And so this morning, that's what I want us to see, is that encouragement and church, right? We're pulling the curtain back in this series entitled One Another. We're pulling the curtain back on what it means to live life and community as followers of Jesus. And that all throughout Scripture, we have a tendency, especially as Americans, when we see that word you, we think of it as a me, you. And that's part of it. But more importantly, it's a community, plural, you. That we don't live faith in isolation. We live out our faith in community. Because if we understand of what it means and what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus to, to live out our faith, if we're living out our faith, we are countercultural, no matter what culture we're in. If we're living out our faith, people are going to call us fools. And Scripture says you will be called fools for Christ because we're living differently. We're thinking differently. We're loving differently. We're encouraging different things than what the world encourages. And so this morning we're going to be digging into that idea of a leylon as we pull back the curtain of church and say, what does it mean for us to be for one another, for each other, this this biblical family, this this building up of one another, this body of Christ that's in motion and that's healthy? What does it look like for that to be a healthy community of believers? And that the world is looking for a church and a group of people that are a movement. As a matter of fact, even the early church wasn't about buildings, but it was about a movement. It was called the way. Because there was a way that they were doing life that was radically different. People were like, I want to be a part of that. People were joining the church on a daily basis because of the way that they were for each other and one another. And how can we recapture that and be a part of loving and encouraging one another and receiving that encouragement and being challenged to go into places that we've maybe never thought we could go before? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And 1 Thessalonians 5 is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And this passage says, so encourage each other. Encourage each other and what? Build each other up. Lift each other up. Just as you are already doing. So here Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica. So this is something that's about them. But he knows how easy it is for a church and for humans to become divided. And so he's like, listen, continue to focus on building each other up and encouraging each other. Now this word encourages to inspire with confidence, to put courage into, to give someone hope. In such a way that they'll do and move into new and different ways of where they need to be going. And building up is this idea of Legos. And just kind of building. And if one Lego is missing or one Lego is out, of, it, may, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't click and it doesn't work. And so for us to be able to build it up. And so one of the first things that I want you to grasp about this idea of encouragement is it's a group effort. It's a group effort for us to grow in, in, in our life and to, to, to go together and to click together in such a way. The second part of that verse, it says this, dear brothers and sisters. So he takes that encouragement and building up and then he talks about how we can do that. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and they give spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Again, we, easy for us to find Things that are wrong and divide us, but as we edify one another, as we support one another, as we build each other up, as we give encouragement to one another, we're to live peacefully. Instead of standing shoulder to shoulder and fighting against each other, we're supposed to stand back to back and fight the enemy. It's a different way of doing it. 
continues on, brothers and sisters, we urge you then as a part of this encouragement to warn those who are lazy. And this is talking about faith. Like, like what, what does it mean for us if we're followers of Christ and how do we get lazy in our faith? Not in community often enough. We're not in God's word enough. We're not sharing our faith enough, like having Jesus conversations. What does it mean? I mean, this, this is one of those things that, that, that for us, it's easy for us to get off track. Because this is why Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. You know, that, that, that's why it's because as we get wealthier and our life becomes more convenient, the less we need God. And so as we get more comfortable and, and, and all that, it's easy for us then to get lazy in our faith. And we only lean on God when we're in desperation. And so it's that idea of if you want to have someone to call at 2 a.m. in the morning when the stuff hits the fan, then you have to develop relationships so that you have a 2 a.m. friend. Well, his name is Jesus, but you've got to have somebody that answers and talks back too. And so you got to have somebody you can call and say, hey, listen, it's not going as planned. And they know you and love you. And you know them and love them and they can speak truth to you. And they can ask you the hard questions and saying, is this consequences of you or is this consequences of someone else? Is this what is this? And, and, and know that even those hard questions are not questions of judgment, but of questions of introspection and growth. Because iron sharpens iron, which means it's going to be a little bit of a battle. But that doesn't happen alone. That happens in community. So we warn those that are lazy, but we encourage those who are timid. And this is where I think our Jesus conversations come in, is that we've bought into a lie that we have to get cleaned up and get perfect and have everything in order so that we can have Jesus conversations. So that we can share, here's what Jesus is doing in my life. Somewhere along the way we've bought into, I've got to have this little picture so I can show them my life. I've got to filter it in such a way that they think I've got it all together. Or therefore, then they wouldn't want my Jesus. And I think the other piece of that is maybe because we've been lazy. And we know that we're lazy, therefore we don't want to talk about Jesus. And I'm, this is, I'm, you feel like I'm pointing here, but there's more fingers pointing back here. This is the truth of the scripture for us is, listen, we've got to, if, if Jesus has changed us, we've got to be like the leper like last week and we've got to go tell people. And so if, if Jesus has changed you and is changing you and he's freeing you, then, then go tell people. If you've got good news, then go tell people. And so for us to encourage those or give them courage, push them out, people that have, have a story of transformation, put them in the spotlight, not because they're perfect, but because they've said yes to Jesus and he's doing something. And then the other piece of this is there's all of us have seasons of life where life is difficult and sometimes it's our stuff, sometimes it's not. And we need to take tender care of those who are weak. And too many times in church we finish off the wounded instead of bandage them. And I think here's one that all of us can grow in is be patient. Here's the, here's the most important part with who everyone, not just the people you like. Oh man. Yeah. With everyone. Why? Because they're being patient with you and you don't even know it. 
It's a two-way street. Life is messy, but if we're for each other and with one another, we can pull back the curtain and do these things, not in our own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a family that's built up. Because see, what's natural is we pay back evil for evil. That's what the world does. You do this to me, I'm going to get you back and I'm going to do it more. And too many times that's the image in church and it's even worse but always try to do good for each other and to all people. And this is one of my favorite string of verses together. Always be joyful. How many of you woke up this morning and you're like, yes, I'm joyful? Yeah, we got one. That's awesome. It's because she's talking to Jesus. That's right. Always be joyful. I think what times we, we, we have a tendency to mix up joyful and happiness. And so we think that this we're supposed to be happy all the time. And happy has to do with circumstances. Joyful has to do with the heart and the soul. And here what Paul is saying, we can always be joyful because, as he tells us here, the source of our joy is not our circumstances, but the source of our joy is the person of Jesus Christ. And so that if all of our circumstances are not as if we would like, we can still be joyful because the one thing that cannot be taken from you if you have said yes to Jesus is Jesus. For the scripture says, if you've said yes to him, you will be saved, period. He's got you. See, this is, this is I want you to grasp this. When Jesus had the gift, offers you the gift and he reaches out to grab you and we take hold, he grabs us and he does not let go. This is that covenant thing. And there may be moments where we're like, this is too much. This is too hard. It's too windy. The storms are beyond me and we want to let go. He still holds on. So that's why we can be joyful in the midst of our circumstances because he is holding on to us. Therefore, we can be praying. And a part of praying, as we saw with Jesus in the garden, is it's about us. Sometimes it's about us surrendering. And like Jesus, sometimes it's you can't even get the words out. You just fall on your face and say, God, I, I need you. And it's that ongoing conversation with him. Therefore, we can be thankful in all of our circumstances because we have joy that has nothing to do with the circumstances of life. It has nothing to do with my bank account. It has nothing to do with my education. It has nothing to do with my kids if they've gone wayward. It has nothing to do with whatever the things of life that weigh us down and oppress us. Our source of our joy, the foundation of our life, is not found in those things but in Christ alone. And so for this is God's will for you, for those who belong in Christ Jesus. This interesting thing is this is not suggestive language from Paul. This is imperative language, command language. I command you to be joyful always. I command you to never stop praying. I command you to be thankful in all circumstances. Why is this God's will for you? For those who belong to or are located in Christ Jesus. So some of you have these newfangled phones and it shows you like where you're at when you pull up the map and it locates and it says home. This is for us whenever you pull up that little app and you look at it and it says home, you're located there. This is you. You are located in Christ. And that is your station. That is your place. You are at home in him. And so it doesn't matter what's happening around here. If you are located in him, you are in a safe place. 
because of him. And you can be joyful always. And that's God's will for you. Always be joyful. It's a community thing. Not individual, but in community. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. This is continuing this thought from Paul. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. To motivate, encourage, to spur on, to incite, to, to get them riled up. It's a, you've seen it. You probably saw it on Friday night if you went to a football game. Or maybe you watched it on TV. People at a game. What do they do? When they are not happy, they are riled up. They do not let the occasion stop them from sharing their opinion. That's a horrible call. And you can just see it all over their face. Think about this. That's what Paul is telling us here in Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways that we can motivate each other. In other words, how was your week? Horrible. Woo! Man, I'm for you. Man, I hate that was a hard week, but woo! We got this next week. And the motivation, the incitement of putting courage into and spurring on to, to help people understand that we are for you. Sometimes we're like, I'll pray for you. Awesome. That's good. But man, I want you to incite me. I need some friends that know me and like push me. This is what Paul is saying. Be rabid about encouraging each other. Why? Because Monday's coming. It's easy to walk in here. How are you doing? Good. Awesome. Cool. How was your week? Cool. You know, whatever. And then Monday comes. And your boss is like, and you need to know that there's people behind you going, woo! It's just your boss. He may fire you. Who cares? He's motivating you. Be motivated. Why? We're spurring each other on to love and good works. This love comes out. We've experienced love in the person of Jesus Christ like we haven't experienced it ever before. When you say yes to Jesus, you're experiencing love without judgment. You're experiencing love that's taking you where you're at and saying, I saw you, I know you. All of you, and I still say yes to you. That's encouragement. And that's what we're to do with one another is I see you, I know you, I'm a friend of you, and I'm going to motivate you to acts of love and of good works. So therefore, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is coming. There, we're at the end. This neglect is to literally abandon, to walk away from, but to encourage each other. What would it look like if you were to come to church? As you walk out of here, people are like, yes, this is going to be an incredible week. You are going to be on fire. Jesus is there. We're here. If you need somebody, we're here. And you know that there's people behind you. Because we know Monday's coming. We know Tuesday's coming. Wednesday, and to know that there are friends that have got your back, cheering you on, instead of knowing if they really knew me, would they love me? That's the polar opposite of what Paul talks about. The other piece Paul tells us, he shows us in Colossians chapter 4, that it's a village 
that allows us to get this done. Faith on our own is not faith. We have to be in community together. That it takes us all standing back to back, fighting for each other, fighting with each other in that way. And so encouragement takes a small village. Who encouraged Paul? Look at Colossians 4. Tychicus. He's going to give a full report about how I'm doing. For someone to give a full report about how you're doing, they have to know you and spend time with you. So here Paul is saying, hey, this buddy of mine, Tychicus, knows me and has spent enough time with me that he's my ambassador. When he's in front of you, it's as if I am there. That's a friend. That means that they've, they've been doing some talking, some sharing, some praying. They've been doing life. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves me in the Lord's work. I sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to what? Encourage you. Here's the interesting thing. Paul's in prison. And he's thinking about encouraging other people. That's not natural thinking. Natural thinking is I'm in prison and woe is me. And Paul is in prison and he's like, how can I encourage other people? I'm going to send my friend that's an ambassador of me that can come and go out of house prison. He can go and as my ambassador, he can tell the stories and the stuff that I'm writing about and the reports that I'm getting. Another one is I'm also sending Onesimus. Now, the interesting thing about Onesimus, Onesimus, we see his story in the book of Philemon. It's this really short little book. And in Philemon, we see that Paul is writing Philemon so that he can ask for Onesimus's release because Onesimus is a new believer that also happens to be a slave. And Onesimus had skipped away from home and had found Jesus. Paul had led him to Christ. And so now Paul is writing back to Philemon and say, hey, this guy that left, I know, I know that you've got something. You can call him back. But Philemon, he's now a brother in the Lord. He, he and you and I are now equal in the eyes of God. And I'm asking that you would release him and consider him a brother and not a, not a worker of yours. He's a faithful and beloved brother, one of our own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends his greetings. So does Mark. Mark was a young man who had been with Paul and had frustrated Paul. They were going to be going on a missionary journey. And Paul told, turned to Barnabas and said, listen, Barnabas, if Mark is going, I'm not going with you. And so they split. And so now, years later, Mark is with Paul, serving him. Paul's heart had changed and softened and was encouraged. And Mark's heart was softened and changed. And so now two had, had gone different ways are now together, reconciled. And so Mark is Barnabas's cousin. And Barnabas was someone that who was a friend of Paul. And Paul, whenever he had said yes to Jesus, he before that he'd been a zealot against Christians. And now that when he had come to Christ, he was a zealot for Christ. But people didn't trust him. They knew his reputation. They thought maybe he was trying to infiltrate the church, to infiltrate the disciples. And so Barnabas knew Paul and brought Paul in and said, accept Paul as you accept me. Paul stands in my place. I will step back so that Paul can take my place. As a matter of fact, we understand from the New Testament that Barnabas is the one that invested in Paul and helped him understand how to even share the gospel with the Gentiles, with the non-Jews. And so even though they're not books written about Barnabas, Barnabas is extremely influential in the New Testament because a lot of the New Testament is written by Paul. And I guarantee you, Barnabas' fingerprints are all over it. 
As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, this idea of encouragement and motivating you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Man, when's the last time someone said, I'm praying hard for you? That's a friend, man. Someone who knows your stuff that you can call at 2 a.m. and they say to you a couple of days later, hey, I'm praying hard for you. Woo! Yes, we got this. Not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can go through these things. You can have joy amidst life circumstances. I am praying hard for you, my brother, my sister. I'm for you. And also for all the other believers. Luke, he's the beloved doctor. He wrote Luke. He wrote Acts. He's hanging out with Paul. It's a pretty good circle. Silas is around. Did missionary trips with him. So here's my question. A lay lawn to each other. Who is encouraging you? We know who's Tearing us down. Or we have a good idea. Who's praying hard for you? Who's standing back to back to you? And fighting for you and with you? Who's encouraging? Who's putting courage in you? Who says to you sometimes they see something in you and it kind of just motivates you to kind of step out in faith? That people... See something in you and they believe in you. Maybe even you believe more in yourself and some of your gifts and your talents. And they kind of push you in front. Maybe like a Barnabas and says, here's Paul. See what he got. See what he has to bring to the community. Who's building you up? Who's encouraging you? Speaking words of truth and wisdom and love and you can receive it and know and trust that it's words of love and they don't have an ulterior motive other than to just build you up and love you and is praying hard for you. And in a world where we have a thousand friends, who are your real friends? Who are the people that you can really call at 2 a.m.? Say, man, this is where I'm at. One, know that they'll answer. And know that they'll do whatever they need to do to serve you, to love you, to build you up. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would be challenged by your words of that we are to be for each other as a community, as followers of Jesus. I know many in this room at times feel alone or feel on an island of faith alone. Father, may we be encouraged. May they sense and know that we are praying hard and for them. Father, that we want everyone in this room to experience the fullness of what you have for them. And sometimes we're too timid. 
Sometimes we're too lazy. Sometimes we just don't know the direction and others can, can see in us what we can't see. Sometimes we need to shout it. Sometimes we need to whisper it. But Father, may we be and may we find some friends that can spur us on. May we know that they are rabid fans of Christ in us. Father, may we be encouraged that no matter where we, in those moments where we want to let go of you and of what we think it may mean to be a follower of Jesus, one, you don't let go of us because we're located in you. You are home base now and always and forever. And that the GPS of our heart can recalibrate to home, which is you, every day. And as we gather in the home, we know that there are others that are there with us. Cheering us on, saying, let's go, let's go. L-E-T-G-S-U, let's go. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.